Starting a new sermon series today, this is a short one, just two weeks, about overflow. Talking about God's blessings overflowing in our lives. Anybody need that? Come on, somebody. All right, anybody? All right, I got to tell you. I've struggled most of my pastoral ministry preaching this subject. Because, yeah, we got to start with the if before we get to the then. We got to talk about tithing this morning, okay? And I've struggled with that because I know what a lot of people say the church just wants my money. And that's what some Christians, church attenders say, not just people out there. And, and, and so I know that. Or some people think, you know, one of the things I'm always concerned about is somebody's going to think, oh, the church must be doing bad. The pastor's preaching on giving today. Now, can I tell you something? You know, the Halloween thing that we just did, we wrote a check. We wrote a check because you're already giving. Okay? This is not really a message to the church. This is a message to us individually. Now, you are doing this. And I'm going to bring that up a little bit later as well, just to remind you that, hey, you're doing this, and the church is blessing the community because of these things. Here, here's the reality, though. I want you to have overflow blessings. And you can't have them until you understand some things and deal with some things and respond to God in obedience and in faithfulness. So that's what I want to share with you this morning. So if you really need overflow blessings, then here, start thinking this. Pastor, hurry up and get past that tithing part and get to the overflow blessing part. Okay? But also, I want to say that to you. Hurry up and deal with that tithing part so you can get to the overflow blessing part in your life too. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, I love you. Thank you, God, for the blessings, Lord, that you bestow upon us, God. And the way you do it, Lord, is, is with, with such abundance, God, that then we're able to do something for somebody else. God, I just pray, Lord, you keep doing that. Challenge us, though. In what areas of our life, God, not just in finances, but any areas of our life, that we're not being faithful to you, God, that we, we need to return to you. Lord, I just pray that in Jesus' name. Help us today, God. Help us to continue to be the church you called us to be. It's 2911, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, just two parts, okay? Next week, it's going to be really about overflow and stuff. It's, but we've we got to deal with this, this tithing issue this morning, okay? Uh, so we're going to go to Malachi chapter 3 because, you know, really to understand anything about overflow... You have to understand tithing, okay? You can't separate the two because the, the, the one scripture that probably we all go back to about overflow and God pouring into us, it's right there with, it's got, it's got a condition to it. It's right there connected to, to this thing about tithing. It's Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, you need to know this if you didn't already know it. The Bible wasn't written when God spoke the words to people like Malachi to write. It wasn't written in, in, in verses, like verse 10, verse 11. It wasn't written in verses, okay? We divided it into verses and chapters so we could find it easier, you know, because if this morning if I said, okay, everybody turn to the, the book of Malachi, about the third page, second, you know, paragraph of the, you know, first column or whatever, you know, it'd be hard to find. That's why we did that. I want you to understand that if you don't already know that, because they aren't separate. It is a word, it's not a bunch of words. It is a word. And, and, and this is totally connected to everything else. You can't pick and choose. And, and some people even say, yeah, but that's Old Testament. Pastor Malachi, that's Old Testament. Yes, it is. But Jesus didn't do away with the Old Testament. 
He fulfilled the Old Testament. And here's the thing. It's what I'm going to tell you about the last part of this message, the last half of this message, are blessings. Blessings that you sometimes, I know some of you claim these in prayer. But here's the thing. You can't, you can't claim the blessings of the Old Testament if you ignore the admonishments of the Old Testament, at least the ones that, that pass along to the New Testament as well. You, have, you can't pick and choose. You have to be obedient to both. Okay, so here, let's look real quick at tithing. The what, uh, when, where, uh, or the what, what, where, why, and when. What, where, what, when, why, and where. There it is, in that order. Okay, so what is tithing? 10%. It's 10%. I was thinking about this this morning. Listen, Hebrew, the Hebrew word for tithe means tenth. Okay, so that's why it's 10%. I was thinking about this this morning. Isn't, isn't God cool how he, everything just fits, you know? I don't know of any civilization that has ever used base three. Okay, some of you mathematicians, you know what I'm talking about. Or base 12 or base 8, you know, that you count up to 8 and that's actually 10 and then 9 begins another number. I, I know that's just blowing some of your minds, I know. But I, I mean, you ever think about it? Everybody counts 1 to, one to 9 and then starts over with 10. You know, 10 is a 0, then with, adds a 1, 2, 3, 4. Everybody does that, right? How, how, how did God do this? See, and he even makes the tithe. makes it real easy, doesn't it? Because God gave us 10 fingers. You know, so way back before anybody ever had calculators or abacus or anything like that, you know, they had, they had fingers that they could count on, right? Some of you, you still carry your calculators around with you all the time, right? And if you get the big numbers, you have to take your shoes off, right? But it, that's what God did is he gave us 10 fingers, 10 toes, and it's like everything connects. It's like all the symmetry and everything connects, and here's the 10%. And even the smallest child. You know, you give a child, you know, go clean the garage or something, you know, and, and, and you know, you pay them $5 or $7.50 or whatever. Even the smallest child can figure this out. Write down $7.50 and move the decimal point one plate. And that gives you 10%. Isn't it cool how God just ties all that kind of stuff together? Everything in life, everything is connected. It's not separated. You need to get that. Everything is connected. And our blessing is connected to our obedience and our faithfulness. Okay, and uh, then the when. When, when, when. when are we supposed to give the tithe? Well, scriptures tell us, you go back to the Old Testament, you see all the history of the tithing, and then you see in the New Testament where it's repeated, you, you, what you see over and over again is first, okay? Like on the first day of the week, set aside what you're going to take to the temple. Set aside. That when, uh, you know, if you have 10 sheep born, well, one of those belongs to God, you know, and it's the first one, the first now, why is it the first? Okay, get this, because here's the important thing. Any of y'all have a budget or you have a list of expenses that you pay or bills that you pay? You know, where do you put the most important ones? On the bottom? Put them on the top, because you put them on the bottom, what happens? Yeah, they get left over the next week or next month sometimes, don't they? Yeah, because you run out of money before you get to the bottom of the list. That's what God's saying here. He said, don't put me at the bottom of the list. I belong at the top of the list. Because if you put me at the bottom list, there's going to be a lot of weeks, a lot of months that you never get around to pay me. He says, bring me the first. He says, for the first. Who wants the first? Because what a lot of us do is we approach it like if we have anything left over. You know, we got anything left over, God, then we'll write. You need to understand this. Leftover giving will never produce overflow blessings. You can't do it. It's got to be first. It has to be first. You got to choose him for He's got to be at the top of the list. This is what he wants. He's got to be at the top of the list. And you, you know why? Because of the why here. Because it's not just a command, it's about relationship. 
It's about relationship. This whole thing is about relationship. You know, you know who, who, is, who this is right here is this is God speaking to his children, speaking, talking to his kids, his spiritual kids, me and you. Okay, so, so if you ever have, uh, you know, somebody outside of church, you know, an unchurched person that says, ah, I don't want to go to church because all they want is my money. You say, not, not my church. You can tell them, I, I don't want their money. I want, I want you to pay your tithes, but I don't want their money because this is a conversation between God and his kids. It's not a conversation between God and the world. It's a conversation between God and his children. And it's about relationship. Yeah, if it's a command, yeah, of course, we got to do it. But that's not why we're supposed to do it. Okay, when you were two or three years old, you did what you were supposed to do because you were told to. And you got in trouble probably when you didn't, right? And you just did what you had to do. You started growing a little bit older. Maybe you began then to start understanding a little bit of why you did things. But even if you didn't understand, you still got to the place that you understood you had to because of that. You know, and, and so it's like we go through these stages and stages of growth and understanding. And so, yeah, we do do things when we're real young. We do things because we're commanded. But we grow up. Come on, somebody. Say amen. We grow up. We mature. And we don't keep doing things just because God commands us to do things. We start doing things because we understand there's reason for this. You know, and eventually you get to the place, some of the oldest ones here in, in the crowd, that you, your, your parents are still alive. You know, you're still doing some of those things that they tell you to do, not because they said so and you have to do it anymore because you don't live at their house. You know, you don't have to do it. And it's not because maybe it's the best idea because sometimes their ideas may be a little outdated or whatever. But sometimes you do what those elderly parents tell you to do just because of relationship. Right? And this is what God is saying. He said, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. In verse 9, before that verse up there, he says, you need to come back to me. And they said, where have we left you, God? And he says, you, you've left me in tithes and offerings. This, this is where you've broken relationship with me. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, I, I, you know, I've heard people say, well, God, God sure is mean. I mean, he wants a tenth of everything we give him. Understand, any relationship that you're in, there's always give and take. Or it ain't a relationship. I mean, you know, if you've ever been in a relationship that you were doing all the giving and no receiving... It was not a relationship. How did you feel in that kind of, or how, if you've never been in one, how would you feel in that kind of relationship? That's how God feels. A lot of times when he's the only one giving and he's never receiving. And he says, no, wait a minute. He said, wait a minute, what's, what's going on here? He says, you know, I'm not happy with the situation as it stands right here, right now. Any person, any person with any amount of self-respect will say, if you want to be in a relationship with me, they may not say it outwardly, but they may be saying, you, you'll get it. You'll get it. They say, if you want a relationship with me, this is what it takes. I mean, nobody says, hey, I'll just be friends with anybody, whatever, and you can treat me any way you want to. Nobody says, not, no one with self-respect. You ever been in a relationship with somebody and, and you weren't treating them exactly right? And they said, no, no, no. If you want to continue this relationship, there are certain things you're going to have to do. God has self-respect for himself as well. And he says, if you want to be in a relationship with me, there are some things that are required. And this very little simple thing right here is one of them because of relationship. Okay? If you don't have a relationship with God, I'm not talking to you this morning. He's not talking to you. He's talking to his kids. Are you his kid? Are you his child? Do you trust and do you, do you have confidence in him? Do you rely upon him every day? Then he's talking to us this morning. And when, uh, I'm sorry, and where? The where is the storehouse. So bring the tithe into the storehouse. And uh, very literally, to kind of get a picture, what they did is in the temple, they had these special chambers or, or rooms 
that were the storehouse where, they, where everybody brought their gifts and they put them in the storehouses uh, or these little chambers in the temple. Why did they do that? They held them there until they were needed for ministry. Yes, uh, some of the, uh, we would say clergy today, but the priesthood, they were paid out of this when, you know, when they had to have money or however it worked, you know, and, and what this family had to have. But it was also when someone in the community, their crops didn't come in. They lost all their crops. Or like you and I would say today, they lost their job. And they came and they needed something, boom, the money's already there. You know, there's a lot of churches today, they, they, they find a need. You know, somebody calls and says, hey, I, I need something. They have to make phone calls around and say, hey, can you give $10? Can you give $10? I've been there. I've pastored that church. We have those situations coming. People come to us and, and we want, and, and, and you pray about it. Say, God, you got to help us know if this one's, and, and we're able to help. We're able to help. Why? Because the storehouse has been full. Halloween, we did that. We wrote a check. We wrote a check. Why? Because the storehouse was full. It was, it was an amazing, an amazing night that we poured into uh, all the people. I think everybody in Kimberly showed up that night. You know, I mean, it was an amazing thing, and, and people are still talking about it. And you know how it happened? It didn't happen because I said, I need somebody to give $10, somebody to give 50 No, because we already had the storehouse. Was full. Because the offerings that we've been receiving just over the last few weeks, we paid for it. This afternoon at 5 o'clock, we're going to our, our, our Thanksgiving dinner. And, and, you know, you just got to bring a drink or a dessert. That's all you got to bring. Why? Because somebody's been paying their tithes. You know, my dad, if you didn't know, my dad was a bivocational pastor for quite a few years, CPA slash pastor, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, mixing those two things together. Sometimes you look at things in a little different way. And he, 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 he began looking at this one time and he, and he told me this was a long time before I ever knew I was going to be a pastor. He said, you know what? If everybody in our church and in every church paid tithes, you'd never have to receive an offering. You know, that's true. You go to some churches, though, because tithes are so bad. You, know, you go to church on Sunday morning, you know, and they have the tithes and offerings. And some, if they've got church on Sunday night, they've also received an offering. If you go to a class on Wednesday night, they receive an offering. And if you go to, you know, your kids go to Sunday school and all that and all that and all that, they're receiving offerings. How many offerings do we receive around here? You know why? Because people are paying their tithes. You know, I'm not, I'm not telling you, I'm not getting on to a church. I'm saying, let's keep doing what God has been leading us to do because the storehouse is full because of what we're doing. Okay, uh, and we're going to come back to a little, little part of that in just a moment. One, one more thing you got to understand about uh, before you can really understand overflow, and that is you've got to also understand curse. You've got to understand this thing about curse. Now, the world is under the curse of sin. That's why things don't work out sometimes. That's why things mess up. That's why things died. You know, you know, we die because of the curse of sin. Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were created to live for eternity. But when they were disobedient to God and they ate from the forbidden tree, when they ate that, God said, in that day you will die. And that day they started dying. Their spirit, their soul literally died inside of them, God said. They, they went through a death, a death of sin. But their body started dying. Uh, the very next morning, you know, it was the first morning, Adam woke up and said, oh, he had hair in his hand. You know, hair is falling out of my head. You know, the very, you know that's, that's the way it happened. Because, and because, because of the curse of sin. But Jesus Christ came and he died for us. And he, he, gave, he gave his sin, he shed his, or he gave his blood, shed his blood for us, gave his life for our sin. And because of that, now we are free from the curse of sin. You and I are no longer under the curse of sin. Amen. Until we take a part of our life and we are in rebellion with, to God. And then we take that part of our life and we put it right back under the curse of sin. 
talking about sin. When you cannot commit sin, even, even a child of God, if you've been baptized 20 times, I don't care. You can't c commit sin and just continue to walk in sin without suffering the curse of sin. You put yourself back under that. Whenever you're disobedient or rebellious to God, you put yourself back under that. And then curse begins to happen again. Here, uh, the next, or, uh, which also overflow is a conditional promise made by God, okay? You don't just get it. There's a condition. But let's read verse 8 and 9 um, right here. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Think about that. We're mere mortals. And God said, are you trying to rob me? You know, it's like taking a knife to a gunfight, you know, kind of a thing. You trying to rob me? It all belongs. You can't rob me. It all belongs to me. Will a mere mortal try to rob God? Yet God says, you've robbed me. But you ask, he says to his kids, how, have, how are we robbing you? And God says, you've robbed me. you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Obviously, they had dropped this whole thing of bringing the tithes and offerings as a nation. And God said, you're all under a curse because you're robbing me. And you go back to the verse right before this, and he's, he is saying to them, come on back to me. Return to me. Return. Straighten things out. What you've been doing in rebellion and disobedience, turn it around. Set things right between me and you. I, I want things to be right between me and you. Why? Because of the overflow blessing. Okay, now we're there, right? I'm done with, I, I'm really done with this tithing thing now. We've, we've dealt with that. I've dealt with it as far as, you know, I'm done. You got it, okay? It's now in your, are you done? You need to deal with this today. You deal with it. You get done with it. I'm done. I've delivered it to you. Now you got to deal with it. It's laying there in your lap. What are you going to do with this thing? I hope you do what you need to do with it because I want to tell you about some awesome blessings. And it is in this same chapter, chapter 3, verse 10, 11, and 12. Three verses right there. There are four awesome blessings and they come because of the conditional problem when, when when you fulfill the condition you can pray these things over your family over your life over your future over your body you can pray these things i pray them all the time four awesome blessings if you're just obedient to this one thing i mean isn't it is that god i mean that's the god the god of abundance who does more than we all ever need right so so let's talk about what and and, and i think the very first one a lot of people skip it they don't they don't see it right there there are four blessings there and i think the first one a lot of people don't see but God says, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That's a blessing, okay? And that may be one, I think that's the one that a lot of people miss. There's a blessing that food is in God's house. Look at this. Do you know why there's life-giving ministry going on at 29-11 this morning? Because somebody's paying their tithes. I mean, think about it. Here, here's, here's what God was saying to them. If when you start bringing the tithes back into my storehouse... There's going to be food here again. There's going to be ministry happening again. There's going to be spiritual food taking place uh, and, and being given out. Same thing happens here at 2911 every week because somebody's paying their tithes. You know, the lights are on. They, you know, they don't get turned on just because Alabama Power really likes us. You know, somebody, we have to pay for those. How do we pay? For, because somebody's paying their tithes. 
There's food in the house. There is, there is a message going forth. There is awesome music. I mean, this worship was wonderful this morning. And it was a whole lot better because we had amplification because of the power, you know, and, and because, uh, you know, it's not too hot in here because we got AC on this morning. Of course, it was heat last week, and who knows what it'll be next week. But, you know... <laughs> But there's ministry happening. There are kids right down the hall that are being ministry. They have curriculum. They have cool decorated rooms. You know, Candyland is a new theme down there. How did that happen? The Baptist church didn't show up and say, hey, we want to do something for y'all. We're going to pay all your bills. for." No, they didn't do it. There is life-giving ministry happening at 2911 because somebody is paying their tithes. That's the way it happens. It's like a, duh, wow. That's the way it happens, isn't it? You know, here it is. So when someone out there does have a need, someone does come to us. And, you know, we, we, help, we help try to help anybody. We try to help anybody a first time because we really don't know where they're at. But then we require them. So from this point on, now, you, want, you ever want another offering or you ever want another blessing from 2911, you've got to get involved in counseling. We have some stuff going on here. You've got to get involved. In, and we tell them that. But we're able to help people when they come in with an emergency. Why? Because somebody's paid their tithes and there's something in the storehouse because somebody's paid their time, but not just them. I mean, that's an awesome blessing that we can do that. We've had to do it for many of our church people as well. They've lost their jobs and struggling and we've had to help them along sometimes. We do that because somebody's paying their tithes, but it's not just that. It's also the fact your family is being provided for. Your family right now today, you got kids in, in the nursery, kids church, they're getting food today. You got to, you know, your spouse, does your spouse go to a small group that, you know, uh, like that thing about from Everybody Loves Raymond where Deborah says, you know, she goes to church to thank God for, for, you know, for you, Raymond, you and the kids and, and to pray that God gives me enough strength to suffer through another week with you and the kids, you know, you, you know, your spouse may be a little like that. And they go to a small group at 2911 to, you know, to, to just be able to make it another week. And that. You know how that happened? Why that's happening? Whatever it is that's going on that is pouring into your family, it's happening because somebody paid their tithes. And that's, that's so easy to see because the door's closed when people stop paying their tithes. God says, return to me in this. Okay, the second one. Actually, this is the third. I'm, I'm leaving the second one for the last. God rebukes the devourers and fruitlessness. Let, let's read the scripture and then I'll explain. God says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. We just talked about the curse just a few minutes ago, right? Understand curse. Curse comes when we're disobedient. Curse comes. Curse is in this world. It happens. Curse is just there. Okay? And if you're not careful, curse invades your life. But God says, return to me, and I will rebuke the curse. I will tell the one that's been devouring all of your stuff, all of your blessings, I will rebuke them and make them stop eating all your stuff. And all of the labors that you've been putting in and the stuff that you've been working for, and it seems like you, you work and you work and you work and it just falls apart and it falls away and you don't ever get to enjoy the benefits, you don't ever get to reap what you have sown. God says, I will rebuke that. I will make the vines not drop their fruit before it's ripe, meaning that you will receive what you've labored for. And th this is not just in financial matters. This is a truth of God's word. And so if, you, if, if you're really working on making your marriage better, God says keep working and, and, and stay in relationship with me. If you are faithful to me in these things, here's a promise that is right here that I will, all this stuff that you're sowing into your marriage, he said, I will make sure you reap the benefit, the fruit of what you're sowing in. Or if it's your future, 
If it's your education. And you, when you're studying, and you know, you study and you, and, and, and you lose those thoughts, you know, the next day you get to take that test or whatever, you say, uh, God says, I'll rebuke the devourer and I will make the fruit of your labors not drop too quickly from the vine, but you will reap the reward of what you labor for. What an awesome, what an awesome blessing, an overflow blessing that God gives us. And, and also, here's the third one, which is the fourth in the, in the series, but the third as we lay them out today. God delights in blessing you. He says at the very end, verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Ooh, delightful. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> you know, I can imagine, I, I, I thought about that this morning and said, man, you know, yesterday if when I was at my men's small group, you know, leading and giving the devotion, if I'd closed with this and said, guys, and God will make us a delightful group of men, <laughs> they'd have probably said, okay, I won't be back, right? <laughs> We don't really think about using that term, delightful. You know, we're going to be delightful. Well, we got to look at, okay, let's look and see what that Hebrew word really means. Here's what it means. It means, some of you guys are still, y'all still getting over that one, right? <laughs> uh, here's, what, here's what that word means. It means, really means desire and pleasure. Okay, and to really understand, you have to go back to Malachi chapter 1. And very early in this book, God uses the exact same word that he uses here. And he says this. Right now, I take no pleasure in you being my kids. Right now, I am not delighted in you. You ever said that to your kids? <laughs> you know, he's kind of like saying, this is the one most important relationship you have ever have and will ever have in your life, more so than your marriage, more so than with your kids or your parents or your BFF, you know. He says, and God says, right now, I don't like you a whole lot. still love you, but I don't like you. Think about what those are code words for. When a person comes to their spouse and says, you know what, I just don't feel the same about you anymore. You know what the next thing out of the mouth is, don't you? We need to separate. God says we have separated because I'm not delighting in you. And the way you're dealing with me and treating me, I don't delight in this anymore. I do not have the delight for people out there to know that you're my kids. It does not give me pleasure anymore for people to call you my children. Return to me, he says. And when you return, you know what he says? I will delight in you again. Years ago, I started saying that there is no greater, perhaps there's no greater joy in the world than giving a kid an ice cream cone. You ever just, especially when they're not expecting it, you know, you get them an ice cream cone and stick it in front of their face, you know, and their eyes light up, you know, and everything. And, 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 and you, just, you just see this. Let me tell you something that magnifies that, makes it even greater, when it's your grandkids. <laughs> because you know them. And when you see their eyes light up, you know a little of what they're thinking. And they're saying, you understand exactly how much they love this ice cream cone. You know, especially, you know, that's, that's kind of Colin. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of emulating him a little bit there. Like he can just jump and get excited about something like that, you know. And it's, and it's exciting. That's what this verse is saying. God is saying, I delight in giving you things and watch your eyes light up. I delight in doing things for you. Because I know who you are and I know what you're going through. I know all your struggles and I know your joys and I know what makes you jump and get excited. And God says, come on, let's restore that relationship so I can do this for you again. So that old tithing part that we talked about earlier, that's like God, God said, hey, just, just, let's just handle that and get that over with so I can delight in you again. And I can bless you all over again. And I can do for you again 
like I really want to do. The last one, which is actually the second one, if, if you're reading and if, if you're familiar with these verses of Scripture, you probably were expecting this one. It's a blessing too big to receive. And here, here's what God says about this. He says, test me in this. And you remember there's another Scripture where God says, uh, don't test the Lord your God. And Jesus even uses that against Satan when Satan is tempting Jesus. Jesus said, Scripture says, don't test the Lord your God. But here God says, test me. Come on. Clint Eastwood here, you know, go ahead. Make my day. Oh, that's what God's saying here. Make my day. Let me bless you like you do not understand. And he is saying, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And listen to what the, the, the language here God is using. Throw open, not a little crack. Throw open the floodgates of heaven. Not a little, he doesn't dispense his blessings with eyedroppers. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. How God, every time God does something, it's too much. There's always too much. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. He's saying, your chambers, your storage rooms in your life, your chambers cannot hold the blessing that I want to pour into your life. That's what he's saying. Oh, I, I, I wish, I, I, knew I, was gonna, I knew this was probably going to come up and I wish I'd look back to see. It's not in my notes and so I didn't look back to see who wrote this, but... Someone had written this, and I, and I knew it was going to come up, and it, I was reminded of it again right here, so i, I got to share this. I, I was reading an article. I, I wish I could remember the man's name who, who, uh, who wrote it, so I could give him credit for it. But he said he was at a ball game, like a local ball game, like a high school basketball game or something with his small kids, and, and they, wanted, they wanted something to eat. So he said, we went to the snack bar, and I got him something to eat. We got back, and we sat down, and he said, and I asked him for some. And they said, no, this is mine. And he said, now they didn't understand some things. First of all, they didn't understand that I was bigger than they are, and I could take it away if I wanted to. Now, in actuality, they knew that, but they weren't thinking about it. I wonder how many times we know God is big enough, and we don't think about the fact that God can take away. God can take away anything he chooses to. Secondly, um, he said... You know, also, they had forgotten, I'm the one that bought that. If I want a handful of popcorn out of that big old box I bought you, I think I deserve a handful of popcorn. I wonder if God ever thinks that. Anybody blessed today? Did you breathe this morning? Anybody breathe this morning? Don't you think he deserves a little something back? He does. He believes he deserves a little something back. But then this man said, you know, back to the illustration, he said, he said, but the big thing they did not realize is that I had more money in my pocket. And I could go back to the snack bar and I could buy them more than they could ever eat during that ballgame. We miss it, don't we? When we forget, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. He's able. Is there anybody here this morning that needs some overflow in your life?